What is going on, everyone? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, happy Sunday. This is awesome. It looks like there's uh, a lot of people that had been watching uh, Pace on some other lives today as well. Um, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time here on Sunday Service, uh, Sunday Service is a podcast that Pace and myself have been doing for almost three years now, which is crazy. I mean, time really does fly. Um, and so just a quick, you know, history of, you know, why Sunday service even exists. Um, you know, Pace and I used to, when, when we first started working together, we would talk about, you know, we really wish there were, there were more places that beginners could go. Um, because there, there are some podcasts, but there isn't really much interactive. There weren't very many interactive podcasts where questions were actually being answered and, you know, details were actually being shared with people. And so, you know, we, we talked about, you know, well, why don't we just start doing a call? And I'm curious to, you know, if there's anyone listening from three years ago, I'd be really interested to hear. Um, but essentially what Pace and I used to do is we we started this by doing just a dial in like people would have to call in and listen to a conference call line and we would just talk about our business what we're doing in our business what's working what's not working um, and talk about deals that we're doing and so that's what we that's what, how we started with Sunday service and so um, you know and it's evolved from there to we used to do an Instagram live and now you know obviously where we're broadcasting over our YouTube channels uh, Sunday service is on uh, iTunes. It is on Spotify as well. Uh, so if you're ever driving around through the week wanting to plug in something and, and learn something new, um, you can tune into Sunday service um, from Spotify and iTunes as well. We are you know, excited to continue growing our podcast presence there. Um, outside of that, um, you know, up until three years now, you know, at this point, we we are sponsored now by Batch Leads. So obviously, you guys can see there in the top left corner, um, Batch Leads, you know, did sponsor our show. So if for those of you that have never used Batch Leads before, you can go to batchleads.io forward slash Sunday and get 5,000 free records. So I just posted the link there for you guys that you can go ahead and check that out. <clears throat> But um, yeah, so over the last three years, you know, we've talked about so many different topics here on Sunday service and, you know, this wouldn't exist without each and every one of you listening in. So, you know, we're, we're so excited to, you know, have you here. So uh, the topic today that we're going to be talking about is around getting started in real estate, you know, getting started in, in this business. And so, um, there are so many angles and so many different ways that you can attack that from, you know, just getting started in your real estate business. And, you know, I want to talk about, you know, just some things to think about, um, because I think that for a lot of people, when they're first getting their when they're first getting their business started, they don't really have a lot of context to, you know, what's it really going to take to be successful? What do I really want my business to look like? Um, how am I going to get there? You know, who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to meet with? You know, what communities do I need to maybe become a part of to be able to grow? Um, and, and on the topic of communities, if you're not already within the Facebook community that Pace and I have, it's literally called Creative Finance 
uh, creative financing with Pace Morby. You can go on Facebook, search that in, join the Facebook group. There's a community of other like-minded individuals like yourself that can network with, that are doing deals, that you can do deals with. You definitely want to get involved in a community. So with that said, I do want to talk about uh, as you're getting started, just some some thoughts, some things to think about, some things that uh, you know you have to you know consider that aren't always talked about. Some of these things aren't super exciting, but they're things that you got to think about and things that you have to look at as you're getting started. So if you're just look, you know, so there's going to be people on here and, and listening in that maybe you're you know you're just doing your you're looking to get your first deal or you're looking to get your next deal. Um, and so one of the things that I would suggest that you do is, and it sounds cheesy, but bear with me, is getting a vision of what you want your business to look like, because you can never know where you're, you can never get to where you want to go. If you don't know where you're wanting to go in the first place, I see, you know, there's a lot of people tuning in from different areas, um, you know, like Rick from, from Long Beach. Um, and so this is, this is something that I had a mentor tell me this story, uh, when, when I was first getting started, um, Effie says it, know what you want. You got to know what you want. Right. Um, and so with, um, you know, with the story that a mentor told me when I was 17 years old, when I was told this about 10 years ago, um, my mentor told me, he's like, Cody, the reason that it's so important to know where you're going is because you need you need some some way to measure if you're going in that right direction. If you just take action aimlessly and you don't really have a target of what you're looking to hit, you're not going to be able to get there and you're going to end up regretting where you're at. And so he told the story. He's like, hey, Cody, so, um, you know, you can drive a car from, uh, you know, let's say Long Beach, you know, the, the Rick that was from Long Beach. You can drive a car from Long Beach to New York City, right? I'm like, yeah, of course. You just, you know, it's going to be a, probably a few days drive, but you can drive from Long Beach to New York. And so in the story, he used San Francisco, right? So um, he's like, you know, uh, can you drive from San Francisco to New York <clears throat> only driving in the dark? And I'm like, well, yeah, you just turn your headlights on. You just see, you know, with your headlights where you need to go, you know, a little bit in front of you all along the way. And so what uh, the point that he was trying to make in this story was he said, Cody, you can drive from San Francisco to New York City in the dark, only seeing the next couple hundred feet in front of you with your headlights. And success is a lot like that. Success in your real estate business is a lot like that because I, you know, I'd, I'd be curious, you know, put some yeses in the comment section if you're listening live uh, and let me know. Yes, if you've ever felt, you know, scared or you didn't know what your next step was in your real estate investing business or you just thought, you know, you were alone in the dark. You're just like, what the heck? Put a yes in there. I'm going to drop the first yes because that was for sure me. So we have, you know, Sandy says yes. Awesome. Peggy says, yes, look where you want to be. Darren, yes. Kelly, yes. Paul, yes. Amy, yes. Scott says, yes. Josiah says, yes. There's a lot. Guys, you're in good company. There's a lot of people in the same situation that you're in. And so, so in the story of driving from San Francisco to New York City, 
my mentor, he told me, he's like, so Cody, you know that if you're, you know, driving from San Francisco to New York, you can drive there in the dark with your headlights on. And he's like, why is that? Um, and it's because I have a definite destination of where I'm going. My goal is to get to New York City. So in comparison, if your goal is to get to $10,000 a month or $5,000 a month or $2,500 a month and, and cash flow from Airbnbs or rental properties, or you want to do $10,000 a month in your wholesaling business, whatever that target is, you have to know where you're going first. You, you know, it, you'd be crazy. Your significant other would probably look at you crazy if you hop in the car and she's like, where are we going? Or he's like, where are we going? And you're like, I don't know. Like the, people aren't going to want to get in the car with you. You got to have a direction of where you're trying to achieve what you're trying to accomplish. And so, um, you know, I'm on this route to New York City. And the the greatest thing about this that kind of did this light bulb moment for me within the story he was telling me is like, so, Cody, um, obviously, you know that you want to get to New York City. You can do it at night and you only need to see the next couple hundred feet in front of you. So if you look back to uh, a comparison between the story of driving from, you know, San Francisco, California to New York and only doing at night, that's the same type of thing that's within your real estate business. Because a lot of people, they get analysis paralysis in their real estate business. It's the equivalent of getting in the car, knowing that you just want to start heading to New York. But instead of actually doing anything, you turn you, you have your headlights off. You don't even turn your headlights on. So you can't see anything. You just sit there and you're not you're not even moving. Right. Uh, along the way from driving from San Francisco to New York, you may get detoured. You may come across, you know, oh, this road's closed. I need to take another path. It's going to you know reroute me and it's going to take me a little bit longer to get there. The same thing happens in your real estate journey. The same thing happens when you're pursuing your real estate dreams. And so the great thing about it is, and the story is to drive from San Francisco to New York, you only need to see, even driving at night, the next couple hundred feet in front of you. You don't need to know the entire route. All you need to do and know is what's your next step? What's that next thing that you have to do? And so I wanted to start with that story and, and segue into this topic because there's a lot of people that are probably listening and have analysis paralysis on here. There's so many paths to take that you don't know what path that you should actually take. You see someone had success door knocking. You see someone had success um, cold calling. You see someone else had success sending mail. You see somebody else is contacting probate attorneys, having success with that. Um, you see someone else hired a VA and their VA got them a lead. They made 50 grand on. Um, but then you have the, the other side of that. You see someone else that, you know, they hire a VA and they, they you know, it's a bad experience. You, you know, you get, um, you work probate leads and you get nothing. You do direct mail, you lose thousands of dollars. You do a text campaign, you get no results. These are all things that you have to start to identify and, and start paying attention to how you're thinking because you're looking at all these shiny object syndromes of maybe the grass is greener doing that marketing channel or maybe the grass is greener doing this thing over here. And I can tell you the grass is going to be greener where you water it. And it's very, I know it's cheesy. I, I honestly hate, you know, mentioning some of those, uh, I guess, analogies or, you know, whatnot. But 
the grass is going to be greener where you water it. And so, yes, there's money to be made in direct mail. Yes, there's money to be made in door knocking. Yes, there's money to be made in cold calling. All of those strategies work. But you have to find which one's going to work best for you. Like, so I'm going to circle back to like what I did when I first was starting in, in, uh, in my real estate business. And I'm going to share the things that I did when I first started, but I don't want, you know, those that are listening to take it as, you know, Cody did that. I have to do that same thing or I'm not going to be successful. I'm going to share the story because it's my story. But you have to, you know, each one of you on this on this live or this podcast listening in, you have your own story. So you have to find what works best for you. Like, I'm sure everybody can, you know, see this and understand this and, you know, have the perspective that Pace and myself were very different people. You know, where I'm more integrator, Pace is more visionary, right? So the strategies that each of us would use if we were going to individually go and start our real estate business are going to be a little bit different. Because he's going to go play on his natural, unique talents and God-given abilities. And I'm going to do the same. Just as if, you know, uh, if I was born to be, if I was born and I'm, I'm six foot seven, and I just happen to re- be able to run really fast, have great coordination, I'm great at basketball. I'm probably going to play basketball because that makes the most sense. I'm not going to probably try to go be a jockey and and ride horses because those are typically people that are a lot shorter than somebody that's six, five. So it's like, there's certain things about each of us and about each of you that are listening in right now that you have unique abilities. And so when it comes to getting started in your real estate business, you, you want to lean into your unique abilities. So for example, I, when I got started, I did driving for dollars. So for me, I didn't know all the different strategies of how I could market and actually get deals. So I started driving for dollars. Um, Long story short of what is driving for dollars that maybe you're hearing it for the first time. Um, Essentially, I got on my phone. I got in the car. I drove around neighborhoods where I knew fix and flippers were buying How did I know this? Because I reached out to fix and flippers and found what neighborhoods are, what neighborhoods are you buying in? What neighborhoods would you want to buy in? And so I acted as an order taker and I just, okay, these areas are where people want to buy. And then I would go drive those areas, look for basically beat up houses. I have YouTube videos on my YouTube channel talking about how to drive for dollars, what to look for and all those things. So I'm not going to get too much into that. But you can go to my YouTube channel, see an in-depth video of what to look for, what to say, how to do all those things and get the get the feedback there. Um, but that was how I got my first couple deals was driving for dollars and just reaching out to homeowners that had, you know, busted up, beat up houses. And so that was the strategy that I used. And it worked for me because, I, you know, I was in the car. I was listening to podcasts about real estate you know, like Steve Trang's Real Estate Disruptors podcast. And so I'd be I'd be driving, listening to that. I'm like pumped up. I'm adding addresses of just junky houses. And then I would get home and then I would cold call all of those people. Hey, John, or hey, Susie, uh, my name's Cody. I actually, you know, was in the neighborhood and I was looking at another property and I, I saw your property over here at 123 Main Street. W- would you be open to selling that? Or you wouldn't be interested in selling that, would you? And that's what I did. 
there wasn't some secret magic thing. And then I would door knock them on the weekends if I couldn't get a hold of them during the week. So I just did that every day. And so that was what I did to, you know, essentially break, break into the, the business and get my, uh, get my business running. You know, I, I had a real estate background because I worked as a real estate agent prior to the wholesaling side of the business. So I had understanding of how transaction transactions worked and, and how to comp properties and things like that. But when it came to the investing side, I was super green. And so that's what I did. There is, there's other ways obviously to have success doing it. You know, you can joint venture with other investors and help them sell deals to other people. Um, but that was the way that I, you know, got my, uh, got myself involved in, in, in the door and got those first couple deals done. See here, because I know I've been seeing a lot of uh, comments coming up in the uh, side section here. Uh, let's see here. All right. So, so many different things going on in the sides here. That's interesting. Um. So. In, in getting started, yeah, Dustin says, the definition of cold calling leads are legit cold. Yeah, so what I was doing was actual cold calling, but it was targeted. There's a difference between just cold calling random lists of data and just calling anyone out there and not having any sort of strategy whatsoever and reaching out to somewhat of a targeted list. Like the cold calling that I was doing was actually reaching out directly to uh, the properties that I knew were junk because I saw them with my own eyes and that's who I was reaching out to. So share, you know, sharing the story of like, that's, that's how I got started. I, you know, did the, uh, driving for dollars. I got my first couple deals. I saved the cash that I got from those deals and then started spending money. I hired a virtual assistant. I started spending money on text marketing. I started spending money on cold callers to be able to start generating more leads. So again, the, it was, and it's slow when you're doing that all on your own. Obviously, if you're the only one in your business generating leads and you're driving for dollars, if you're not doing it, nothing's happening. And so that's how I got my, my business started. And then I started hiring the uh, cold callers, the virtual assistants to do those things and was able to start scaling from that because then I had consistent leads coming in. That wasn't like me just doing all of it. And so that's, you know, and then long story short, you know, some months later, uh, Pace and I, you know, came together and, you know, linked up and, you know, now it's been the last three years, three and a half, four, I don't even know. It's been almost four years coming up uh, some, sometime this year. So that was, you know, that's how we were able to, you know, that's how I was able to get my business started. Um, but I want to say for, for those of you that are on here is, understanding, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, and that's why I started at the beginning of this, uh, why I started at the beginning of this call talking about where do you want to go? What are you trying to accomplish? And yeah, Desiree, that's right. I mean, literally within, within a few years, a lot of things can change. Um, but understanding where you want to go because I knew what I wanted to accomplish. I knew I wanted to get a, a real estate wholesaling business to where 
I could be doing over a hundred grand a month in revenue. So then I could fix and flip. So then I could then buy rentals because it started with, I wanted to be able to get my lifestyle to be paid for with residual income. My lifestyle is paid for with, with residual income. Now I don't live a very extravagant lifestyle. I live in a nice home that I've remodeled, but I didn't, uh, it doesn't happen by accident. I looked at, okay, I need to get to, um, and this, this is an exercise what you guys could do. So write down all of your expenses. If you don't know how much your personal expenses are on a monthly basis, shame on you. You should know what you're spending personally on a monthly basis. So write out all of your personal expenses, literally just throw it on an Excel sheet. Open up your bank account, you know, Chase, go into Chase Bank, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, whatever bank you're with, go in there and look over the last 30 days. Okay, I spent this much on rent or on mortgage. I spent this much on, you know, subscriptions. I spent this much on all these things, you know, so personal, personal living. Um, and so once you know what, what that is, like one of those first goals should be how do I you know, put a target around getting to a residual amount of income to cover my personal living expenses, if that's the goal, right? Like that's, that was one of my first goals was how do I get my personal living expenses covered? Um, and so at that stage, you know, for, for me, cause I, I didn't have kids, I still don't have kids. You know, there was not tons of, uh, tons of expenses and, and craziness, you know, I was only at about $3,500 a month. If I can get $3,500 a month residually, meaning every month I'm getting that coming in, I'm financially independent, meaning my residual income can cover what my personal living expenses are. And then anything else above that is gravy. So I think that's one of the first things is establishing like, how do I get my personal, uh, my personal expenses covered residually? And it doesn't mean that like, if you have 5,000 in rental income come in, that it has to go directly into your personal checking account and pay for that $5,000 of personal expenses. Because for, for me, you know, say for example, $10,000 a month of uh, residual income is coming in. That money, I have go right back into, you know, financial freedom and investing in more properties. And I have my active income paying my living expenses and, and those sorts of things. But I have the residual income there that if I wanted to stop working, I could because I had that goal and I had that target. So, um, oh my gosh, Mike says, Cody, I think I would rather find out I have COVID than come to terms with my monthly expenses. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I mean, a lot of people have a hard time around, you know, getting really involved with what's going on with their finances. And I'm not going to lie, there's certain areas around mine that, you know, scare me more so it's around taxes. That's what freaks me out. Like I just got my tax bill for last year. Thankfully, we wrote off a lot of things. So that was able to help significantly. But I still was like, you know, getting getting the tax bill, which is never fun. Um, so you know, you just have to, you have to stomach it and just, and get through it, you know, getting, getting out of your comfort zone to grow. Um, but figuring out like what, what are your personal living expenses? Once you know what your personal living expenses are, you can then, you know, go to work on your business and, you know, whatever strategy you're going to go to get started on that. Um, 
And from there, you know, you build a business that could then be working towards accomplishing that. So how does that look? So say if I want to get, you know, $5,000 a month in, in residual income to be able to pay for my living expenses, right? So what that starts with is like, okay, well, if I'm building my real estate wholesaling business or I'm doing fix and flips or whatnot, I need to do, you know, this many wholesale deals or this many fix and flips so that I could save, you know, this amount of money so I can go and buy a rental property or I can go and buy a property that I could turn into an Airbnb. And then you could just do the math. I need to get this, you know, five Airbnbs or three Airbnbs to reach $5,000 a month in residual income averaged out over a year. Most markets are going to be seasonal with Airbnbs um, where some months of the year are going to be way better than others, but averaged out, you know, getting that to $5,000 a month. And then, you know, if it's rentals that you're going after, you're like, Airbnbs aren't for me. That's not in your strategy. That's fine too. How many rentals do you need to buy to be able to accomplish getting to that $5,000 a month? Well, if your average net cash flow on a rental is $500 a month, you need 10 of them. Okay, well, make a plan around that. Three years, five years, two years, one year, you know, how, how fast are you going to be able to do that? And this all, again, I know we're talking about getting started in your real estate business. And I know a lot of this seems like, well, I'm not even there yet. I'm like scratching my head on like, what's a pre-foreclosure? If you don't know where you're trying to go, nothing else matters. Because once you know where you're going, you can figure out the hows along the way. The why is always more important than the how. Why am I doing something? Why am I looking to accomplish this? is always more important than the how of all the little details of how it's going to happen. Because to me, if, you know, my, if one of the targets that I had had was, you know, getting to $10,000 a month in residual income, do you think I cared if that was, you know, uh, between 20 properties or 30 properties or like how many actual properties it was like I didn't really care I just I'm like I, I want to get to 10,000 a month in residual income so that's what you have to look at is like what is what you actually want so then you could figure it out and you have to do the math for your market for example in Phoenix Arizona you're pretty much paying you know uh 400 450 thousand dollars for for a house right now and the median price point so I know if I want to go buy a median price point home I, and getting a good deal on it, and I'm going to do a, a you know, a, you know, more traditional type of a purchase, I'm going to probably have sixty to a hundred thousand dollars of cash tied up in a property to make a couple hundred dollars a month in cash flow. If it's a rental, if it's an Airbnb, the numbers get way better. But that's what you're looking at in Phoenix right now. If I'm going to go to like an Ohio, certain markets in Ohio, maybe I'm buying properties for 70 grand, 80 grand, 90 grand, and I'm tying up maybe 20 grand, 30 grand into those properties. And then I'm cash flowing $350 a month, $400 a month. Obviously, you have give and take like markets like Arizona that you have a lot more appreciation on the actual value of the property, but the cash flow is typically not as good. Ohio, for example, your cash flow, you may be getting a lot more cash flow for the properties that you're buying, but the appreciation, you're not really getting large chunks of appreciation holding that property either. So um, 
And why I'm, you know, the reason I'm mentioning that is that also goes into your strategy of getting started. Is your goal to build a real estate wholesaling company and have 20 employees and be doing, you know, deals in 10 different markets all over the United States and make a bunch of money doing that and have this whole operation? Or is it more, how do I just get to that, you know, residual cash flow, right? And so that could help you and save you time on understanding what market you actually want to do deals in as well. And I'm not saying Ohio's the only market you can go get cash flow deals in. There's there's other markets in the Midwest that do well, certain areas in Florida. It really just depends, but that's where that's part of your research and that your due diligence is starting your business is where do I uh, where am I trying to go so I could figure out where I want to spend my time. Um, fix and flips, you know, Pace and I have always wanted to, you know, do fix and flips. And so that's where we've continued to do those in Arizona because it works really well for us here and you get large chunks of cash on those. Um, and then we're, you know, turning that cash and putting those into buying rentals in Arizona and then also Airbnbs in Arizona. Um, Pace does buy in other states as well, but we're still confident in the market continuing to grow here and rent rates continuing to grow um, that we're still totally comfortable buying more rentals in Arizona as well. Um, but this comes into, you know, getting started is, you know, what's your vision? Why do you, you know, what do you want? You know, is that residual income? Is it building this big wholesale operation? Um, and, and part of that is like what you want your lifestyle to look like. For me, I like having the flexibility of last summer, me and my girlfriend, Hael, we went and traveled for a month and a half. We spent three weeks in Costa Rica surfing. We went to Columbia. We went to one of my best friend's birthdays up in Michigan and hung out on Lake Michigan. And we, you know, did all these fun, you know, fun things. We went to Miami for a part of that and went to, you know, a conference there and then, you know, had fun at the beach. Like, what do you want your life to look like? I always wanted a company that I was building that would allow me to have those sorts of freedoms where my business was still able to run. Money was still coming in while I was able to travel and do those things um, versus, you know, having a business where I have to be in the office. Otherwise, my team's not operating. My team's not performing. So those are things that you have to think about. You know, do you want to be able to live a nomad lifestyle and be able to travel and you know work remotely or or whatnot? Those are all things to you know think about because there's plenty of investors that maybe they door knock and they have a team of door knockers and they have to be in town and hitting doors for their business to be running successfully. Or, you know, you have someone else that's running it all virtually. So those are those are decisions. Those are things that you have to decide on, like how how you want to set your business to look like. Let's see here. I know we had uh, some some questions here, so I, I want to just grab a couple of these questions um, as as I'm going through this, um, but and then I do want to hit a couple more points on on getting started. Um, Joe Hernandez says, "Cody, do you implement profit first in your business?" Yes, we do. Um, for those that are wondering what the heck profit first is, um, get started with it once your business is established. You don't need to go and and learn profit first. Um, when, when you don't even have a business that's that's set up yet. Um, but I just posted it in the comments. Those that are listening, maybe on the recording, you can go on Amazon and type in uh, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Essentially, it's a way of managing your cash flow as a company so that you're the most profitable possible and so that you're paying attention to the numbers that actually matter 
um, so that you aren't, you know, wasting money or overspending and, and things like that. So, um, you know, great question, Joe. We definitely do use it. I don't want to overcomplicate it for, you know, some people that may be newer on here and saying everybody should do that. Um, but yes, we do. Let's see. Seeing what other questions have. Um, Miss Archie says, I need 8K a month and I can stop signing for deals. I love that. So working that backwards, how do you want to get to that $8,000 a month? Is that with, you know, uh, do you want to lend money? Do you want to do a bunch of wholesales and fix and flips and have a bunch of cash and lend money? Do you want to um, do wholesale deals and fix and flips and make a bunch of cash to be able to buy rentals that, you know, build to that eight grand a month? Or do you want to do Airbnbs that build to that eight grand a month? Or do you want to do a mix? Like for myself, I have an allocated amount of money that I'll lend on deals so that I can get an interest rate return. You know, if you're lending out, say a hundred thousand dollars at 12% interest, you're going to get a thousand dollars a month in interest income. So I have money that's out working and doing that. Then I have money that's in rental properties, bringing in cash flow on the rentals. And then I have money in deals that are bringing in money from Airbnbs and then, you know, other streams of income as well, but you can do a mix of it, but you have to figure out Archie, what you, what, what kind of a mix, or if one of those is just like, I don't ever want to have rentals. I only want to do Airbnbs. That's fine too. But how do I get to eight grand a month? What market am I going to do that in? How do I start finding those deals? Who do I need to contact? Who do I need to be connected with to be able to start working towards that target? Ooh, I love this. Derek says, I need six Airbnbs and six long-term rentals by the end of 2023. That's super achievable. Um, especially, you know, those that are maybe doing some of the Airbnb arbitrage model where you're renting a property and then turning it into an Airbnb. Um, I think you could do that really, really quick. Um, the Airbnbs that you're, you know, buying and having to renovate and then turn into Airbnbs, you know, it takes a little bit longer. But Derek, I love that goal. Um, I would, I'm assuming you probably already have this and you're just not sharing all of the details on, on here, Derek. But what does that look like income wise for you? You don't have to share it, but just something for, for you to know internally is, you know, why six Airbnbs? Is it a certain amount of income that each of those are generating on a monthly basis? And if it is, what type of prop, what type of Airbnbs do you need to be buying? Is it within a certain price point? Is it in a certain, you know, certain market that you're buying those Airbnbs in that are going to achieve those results? That's something to look at. And then I ask you the same question on the rentals as well. What does that need to look like? Effie says, buy real estate and you'll have a lot of tax write-offs. Yes, that is very true. Um, I need to buy a lot more real estate this year and so does Pace so that we don't get wrecked next year and, and this year's taxes. But that's, it's a constant thing. It's like, you know, last year ends, we're like wiped off the sweat of like, all right, we bought, you know, a good amount, but now it's like new year and it's like crap, you know, making me again. And now we got to buy a bunch more to alleviate some of the tax burden. But that's, that's part of it. Real Places says, if you're growing in the beginning, how do you know how and from where your next deals are coming from and how to make a plan? So <clears throat> I'm going to do a very simplistic explanation of this um, and just to not overcomplicate it for those that are listening. So at the beginning, let's say let's pick one. I'm just going to throw one out of the you know thin air. 
And I don't want any, you know, we don't need to deliberate on, you know, whether it works in your market, doesn't work in your market. It's the tracking of the data that matters. <clears throat> so let's say, for example, um, and I'm just going to make this up. Let's say, for example, I am doing cold calling. I have, you know, a virtual assistant doing cold calling for me. Say, you know, startvirtual.com, virtual assistant, you know, shameless plug um, is doing cold calling for me. And I am able to, on average, out of every 40 leads that I get, I'm getting one contract that I'm making $10,000 from. So every time I get 40 leads, I typically get one contract and I make $10,000. So what and how would you know that? Because you got to track it. So you have to start tracking this and don't make it complicated. Literally get an Excel sheet on your computer and put in, you know, leads this week. How many leads did I get? Leads this month. How many leads did I get? Uh, contracts this week. How many did I get? Contracts this month. How many did I get? Okay, well, I got one contract when I got 40 leads. And then I got, you know, uh, one contract when I got 52 leads next month. So you start to create averages. You start to track the data. So you have to track the activity that you're doing. And it, the same works for door knocking, direct mail, PPC, Facebook ads, all, all of the different, you know, forms of marketing text campaigns. You have to track it. So you track, uh, you know, what is the activity? What is the, the input? The input is... I sent this many text messages. I door knocked this many doors. I sent this many pieces of mail. I spent this much on Google AdWords. Okay, that's the input. How you know what was that over the week, over the month? What was the output? How many of those leads converted into a contract? I would I would add this extra step in there. How many of those leads did I actually call? How many of those leads? How many times did I call those leads? How many of those leads that I called turned into a contract? Of those contracts that I got, how many of those sold? How many did I sell to another investor? How many of those turned into a deal that I could buy and, and fix and flip? That's how you start making a plan. You track what you're doing so then you can create a strategy around it. It's like if, if you're going to track like your, your diet and you're tracking, okay, I'm eating 2,500 calories a day. I'm having this much protein, this many carbs, this much fat. And you do that over a month and you do the same thing every day and you re realize, okay, I'm losing a pound a week. So I, if I continue doing the same thing that I'm doing over the next month, I should probably with my past results, lose another pound every week. And you have to, and then you keep tracking it and you see if anything changes and you notice, oh, I only lost two pounds this month. What do I need to change? Maybe I need to reduce my calories by a couple hundred a day. And then you track that over the next month and see what changes. That's how you make a plan. You take action, you track what the results are, and then you course correct based off of what the results are. The input is what you do. The output is what happens from the input. That's how you plan. That's how you track. That's, that's what you do. Hopefully that was helpful. Uh, Joel says, do you think Airbnb is a safe investment? What if a big market crash and economic crisis happens? You have that risk at all times. If you invest in stocks, the stock market can crash. If you invest in real estate, the real estate market can crash. If you invest in, you know, any other type of investment, it can crash. So you can't, there's a point of like, yes, you got to be 
you know, knowledgeable, but you can't live in fear. You, you should have adequate reserves. That property should be able to transition into a rental property if it cannot perform as an Airbnb and it still should cash flow as a rental, not just as an Airbnb. If it cannot do that, I wouldn't buy the deal. Just, you know, a tip of advice on that. So you can, you can transition. You got to have, you got to have multiple exit strategies for a deal. You don't want to be pigeonholed into one it, just in case it doesn't work. Yeah, Derek said he, then he turns it into a rental. Yep, that's that's it. Gerald and Jessica says trying to make twenty five thousand a month at least to get out of the oil field. Have two rentals, but a mortgage that eats up that. So got to scale. Yeah, I mean, you got to get into some some deals. I mean, fix and flips, wholesale, get that cash up, and then you know if you if you're just set on a certain cash flow amount. Look where you can, if you're interested in Airbnbs, those will cash flow and get you there faster. Um, if not, you know, find finding markets where you can cash flow, um, cash flow pretty well on the, uh, you know, the rents on the rents in the market. And I know sometimes it's not super sexy to think like I need to get 10 rental properties at, you know, $400 a month to get to $4,000 a month in cash flow. I mean, what's the plan? What's the alternative? I mean, guys, like we got to look at like, what are our alternatives out there? We're going to go invest in the stock market. Like we're going to go invest in these other strategies that don't even provide cash flow. I mean, real estate's the best opportunity that we have to be able to create true wealth. It's, it's not a get rich quick. It's a get rich for sure. Because if you buy, even if you bought two properties a year for the next 10 years, you have 20 properties, 10 years from now, you have 20 properties that are all probably cash flowing better and better and better because you're raising rents, the pay down, the, you know, there's so many positive things that that's happening. Like you're paying more principal on the mortgage, like you're just getting wealthier and wealthier the longer you stay in real estate. Real estate's about buy, you know, buy real estate and wait. Don't wait to buy real estate. Like there's you can't time the market. No one's an expert at timing markets. It's making the best educated decisions that you can with the information that you have and then holding on for the long term. That's mine and pace's strategy. We aren't becoming millionaires from any one of our properties, but from a collective, that's how we, you know, add multiple millions to our net worth is by continuing to follow the plan. We stay the course, buy the deal, few hundred bucks a month cash flow, whatever. It's going to appreciate over time. You know, over the next 5, 10, 15 years, principal pay down is going to go down. We're going to continuously grow wealth through that. Um, and so you don't need to buy thousands either to reach some of these goals that I'm seeing on here. Derek, long-term rentals here in Phoenix. That'd be great. Um, love that on Airbnb as well. Just uh, this is good stuff, Cody. Thank you. Um, I, I thought I would, you know, go a little bit different approach than because everybody I have videos on my YouTube of how to get started in real estate. Like you can go watch a quick video. Like I just wanted to talk more about like strategically, like based on where you're trying to go, you know, what things you need to be thinking about looking at um, to, to get there. Um, and I'd love to answer some questions as well. You know, if, in, if you guys have questions that you want to to ask on, you know, getting started or, 
you know, investing in, you know, getting, getting to that financial independence number, that financial freedom number. I love talking about that. So I'm happy to answer uh, any questions on that. Um, Tyler's asking, are you buying in Ohio? No, I'm not. Um, I, I'm maybe, maybe I would. And sometime if I had a rockstar property manager, I would, I have a great property manager in Phoenix. That's why I'm happy to buy rentals here. I would rather not buy real rentals uh, than ever manage my own properties again. Um, some people don't know this, but Laura Pace's wife and I used to manage our rental properties. And that was like the least happy I've ever been in my life <laughs> was managing those. So God bless you. If you, if you, those of you on here um, listening, manage your own, you're a better person, human than I am. I just can't do it. I hate it. Um, so if I have great property management and whatever in that market in Ohio, I'd consider it. But other than that, not interested. Mike says, Cody, I get the reverse engineering of the financial freedom number, but how do you get adjust when you don't hit your goals or are growing slower than you projected? Um, so my first comment on that, Mike, is I don't think I've ever hit any of my goals ever, really, on the timeline that I expected. Um, I want to get to this amount of money a month by this date. doesn't happen. But then six months later, four months later, I do. And then it's like, okay, what's that next target? So some of it is like you have to just course correct. And so how you adjust is you do a review to make sure that you're doing the right things that are going to get you there. So if my goal is to get to a certain amount of money and cash flow and I'm, you know, I'm at say it's to get to, I don't know, 4,000 a month in cash flow, I'm at 2,000. I need to audit what I'm doing and see if I'm doing the right activities to get me closer to that $4,000 a month. That's what you have to do is start auditing. Am I doing the right things to get me there? Do I need to, uh, do I need to look into some other alternative ideas and opportunities within real estate? Like if I'm only doing rentals, should I consider Airbnb? If I'm only doing Airbnb, should I consider you know some rentals? If I'm only doing either of those, should I consider lending? You know, I keep a couple hundred thousand dollars out, you know, pretty regularly just lending so I can get cash flow from interest income. So you can look at some of the other other things to uh, help you get there. So being okay, the goal has to stay the same or it doesn't have to, but like your vision should stay your vision. But the how of how you're getting there, you have to audit. Like, am I going, am I going too slow? Do if I'm, if I'm needing to acquire four properties a year and I'm only acquiring two, what activities cause me to acquire two a year? And how do I double those activities to acquire an extra two a year? And that would allow me to get to that four a year that I need to be at. So you have to sit down and actually start auditing the activity that you're doing. If you're not getting there on the timeline and then either evaluate is this too aggressive of a goal and I need to adjust? The vision stays the same, 4,000 a month, right? But the act actions and the timeline may adjust a little bit. That's what, that's, what, that's what I do. I just look at, you know, this took longer. And I'll be the first to say, every goal I ever set always takes long. It always takes longer than I thought. It always costs way more money than I thought. And I always thought I was smarter than I thought at the time. But then every time I look back six months or 12 months, I'm like, wow, that was stupid, Cody. Why'd you do that? Or that was a bad decision. But like, those are the things that allow you to learn. And as long as you're learning and auditing yourself and having those, 
self-reflections, you're able to look back and make changes and make decisions for a better future for yourself. Movemaker says, Cody, what markets have the best cash flow? Um, the best markets with, I mean, the markets with the best cash flow. So my rule of thumb, I would never buy in a blue state. Sorry, anyone that's, you know, buying in um, blue states, but they're typically just not landlord friendly, generally. Um, and again, I'm saying that as like a blanket statement. I could That could change if they have landlord friendly laws. But generally, I would only buy in landlord friendly states. And then the markets that are going to typically have the best cash flow have a, a lesser amount of appreciation. So if you look at like Ohio, uh, Indiana, Arkansas, Alabama, like some of those markets, they typically aren't appreciating as much as like a California, a Florida, a Texas, an Arizona, a California, um, a Washington, right? Like those, those markets appreciate a lot more. So you have to look at, um, you know, look at that within the market. But I, you know, I, the reason I mentioned the landlord friendly is like, I don't, I don't want to deal with the tenant being stuck in my property for a year or a year and a half and just, just blowing my projections on a property. Um, but the best cash flow markets, a lot of the Midwest markets are, you know, better, uh, better cash flow for sure. Let's see. Yeah, Michael Lewis says, I'm from Ohio. You're correct. Yep, it's definitely a better cash flow. And Michael says, what's the best phone system to use just getting started? Um, if you need just like free Google Voice, use a Google Voice number. It's free. Um, Eventually, you want to switch to something else, like a dial pad. Like, you get a dial pad number. It's like, I don't know, 20 or 30 bucks a month, something like that. Um, and that's just if you're going to be doing individual calls. That's not a dialer where you're dialing through thousands of phone numbers a day, but just a if you're just using that as your business line, essentially. The, those are things that you can do. Let's see what other questions. <laughs> Derek says, Cody and I are cousins, but he refuses to work with me. People that ha don't see it, Derek's last name is the same as mine, Derek Barton. Um, long lost, long lost cousins. <laughs> Joel says, I remember seeing an on-market fourplex in Ohio for $88,000. Like that's amazing, right? But also you want to make sure it's not in a terrible neighborhood either. Like the, just because you can buy something cheap and the rents are high doesn't mean that you're actually going to get paid on those rents. Like you got to make sure you're buying in an area where people actually are going to pay the rent. They're not going to just move in and squat on you. Let's see. What other questions do we have guys before we wrap it up? Joel says, seriously, miss, uh, missing out, not touching Ohio. Again, you know, it's something that I look at eventually going to. If somebody refers me to an amazing property manager that actively manages their properties, that they're just like a raving fan of that property manager, I would have my interest provoked. 
and I would maybe look at it more because I do think there's opportunities in Midwest markets in general, not just Ohio for better cash flow. Um, but just something that I, uh, you know, I, I have, to have to have a good property manager. Uh, let's see. Mike, I answered your question. I saw it pop up again. Um, Randolph says, Cody, what are some good formulas for lists and batch leads? Um, I'm going to take a chance to shout out our sponsors on that. You can actually get 5,000 free records um, utilizing batchleads.io forward slash Sunday. Um, but the best list, there's no such thing really as a best list, but pre-foreclosures, tax delinquent, probate, vacant properties, absentee properties, absentee vacants, like, you know, mixing a couple of those together. What, what would you think about properties that are absentee, meaning the owner lives somewhere else, they're vacant, nobody's in the property with people that are over 55 or 65 years old? Maybe it's a rental property of theirs that now is vacant and they don't want to deal with it anymore because they're getting older. Those are things to think about. All right. <laughs> Derek, I, I'm sorry. We, we do have the same last name. Let's do a deal together, Derek. Hit me up. Man. So many good questions. I want to I want to knock out a couple couple more here. Bo says I need to get to five thousand a month passive income from rentals. Put a plan together. Where are you going to buy them? How are you going to find them? Who can you connect with to help you figure out how to get to that goal? Those are things you got to start thinking about. Um, Pablo is saying, what should I look into if I want to get into lending first? How do I find contacts and deals uh, with no contacts? Um, I would get, I would join the creative finance with Pace Morby Facebook group, Pablo, and say, I'm, you know, and share that. I want to lend. I want to lend money. Um, there's, a, there's a concept called gator lending. You can jump over to Pace's YouTube channel and get a better understanding of what that is. Um, it's too long to go into it right now, um, but that's something that you can look at. Um, as far as lending and how to connect and like how to do the paperwork the right way and all, all those things. Ooh, Joey Hicks says, I need five Airbnbs by August 4th, making 10,000 net income per month to leave my W-2. Love that. Specifics. So then it's looking at how am I going to get those five Airbnbs? How am I going to fund that, find them, fund them, manage them, all of those things. All right, let's see what. Ooh. So Tyler, this is a great question. So Tyler's question is, Cody, for cash flow solely, what have you found to be the best cash flow strategy? Looking to start buying very soon, and I would like to find properties for Airbnb or maybe mobile home parks. What are your suggestions? So Airbnb, hands down, best cash flow. If you do it right, you have to get the right property and the right markets that are going to be occupied at the right amount, right? Like you can't just go buy any freaking random property and 
you know, expect it to perform. So you want to find the right properties. Um, but for cash flow solely, excuse me, um, Airbnbs all day long. Um, those, those definitely bring in the most amount of cash for us, our long-term rentals. Like, I feel like I don't even like feel the income from those. Cause it's just kind of like goes into the company accounts for each of those. Um, but the Airbnbs, I'm like, Oh wow. Like, you know, a couple thousand bucks here, like 1500 bucks there, you know, those, those really do bring in great cash. Mobile home parks can as well. It's just, that's a more sophisticated deal to do. And it's not, I don't want to discourage you and say they're, you know, too hard to do. Um, but it's easier to go and like do like a rental arbitrage on the Airbnb or go buy a, you know, a house and Airbnb it than it is to like make sure you underwrite, uh, you know, a mobile home park um, is, is my opinion anyways. Love it. Derek says from his goal that I asked him about earlier, two to 4,000 a month for Airbnb, 20% cash on cash, long-term rentals. Um, I would love to be getting 20% cash on cash on long-term rentals. Our, our cash on cash on most of ours, like I'm pretty happy at like 10 to 12%. And Phoenix, it's just, it's hard to, to get um, juicier than that. Like I'll, I've settled at eight, 9% on some of them because we also wanted the tax write-off for the depreciation. Man, there's so many, so many good freaking questions, guys. My gosh. Noah, shout out to Noah. He actually manages our Airbnbs. Um, he's awesome, makes it really easy for us. And so we can do what we do best and, you know, be looking to acquire more of those properties. So um, Noah Hoffman's a great person to connect with. Um, he is freaking a stud and makes our lives really, really uh, great to to work with on our Airbnbs. Thank you so much, Noah. We, we really appreciate you. All right. I want to take one more question. Scotty says, Cody, you are a great person. I appreciate that. We are, you know, we just want to, we want to help. I think, as you become successful, part of like your role in life is to be able to help other people, uh, help other people do the same and to, to become successful. I'm going to say, I'm going to jump on this one real quick. Cause I, I think, uh, um, I'm going to take two, I'm going to take these two questions. These are a little bit off topic, but I think it's, it's relevant. So Rudy says, start virtual right out the gates or, so I would say, uh, you do not want to go hire start virtual right out the gates if you don't know I have any idea what you're doing. You want to go hire startvirtual.com, um, you know, which is where you're going to hire virtual assistants from. If you already have um, your, you know, kind of your plan in place, you know what you're doing, you know how to have conversations with sellers. Because the last thing I want to see people do is go hire virtual assistants, generate leads, and then not know what the hell they're saying to them on the call. Like you got to know how to have a conversation or have somebody that can help you close those deals. Cause otherwise you're just going to be burning money on data and on virtual assistant costs and generating leads that you can't close. So um, if you feel confident on your closing abilities or your closing abilities of someone that can help you close those, I would say yes. If you need a virtual assistant to do that, 
Um, or if you, you know, you're going to hire a virtual assistant to do administrative tasks for you, that's, you know, that's easy. Um, that's a no brainer that you should, you should definitely be doing that. Um, so for sure, um, I'm going to take this one and this will be my last, my last question here. Uh, Kyle says, Cody, what does your day look like at this point in the game? So, so for me, it's really dependent on the day um, because I've like, I'm, I'm kind of like head of our, all of operations for our real estate company, our media company, um, which really Kelly runs the media company. I just say, say that because I basically kind of process like our payroll and kind of like some of the high level oversight and like some of the leadership stuff, um, you know, so I'm involved in that. Um, but, you know, working with Molly that, you know, oversees our real estate operations, like our rentals, our Airbnbs and those things. So a lot of what my day to day is now is more of like strategy and, you know, uh, legal things like contractual things, um, high level problems that can't be solved by different team members um, within our companies that have to get elevated to me. Um, those are typically things that I'm doing. Um, but day to day, I mean, gym in the mornings, you know, spending time to have a good breakfast, um, getting, you know, the meetings done that I need to for that day, depending on which line of business that I need to be involved with, um, or, you know, uh, doing coaching and leadership and training, um, and then spending time myself getting better, reading, reviewing, auditing, doing think times, having time to actually strategize around projects and plans that we're putting into place um, and helping implement operational um, protocols and systems. Um, and those are a lot of the things that I'm, I'm doing. And, you know, then obviously making the, the videos for YouTube as well, but uh, looking at deals, you know, really underwriting deals that we want to maybe buy, um, strategizing around properties that we own, what can we do to increase the revenue on properties that we own, increase the performance of our portfolio of properties. Um, those are a lot of the things. And then anytime that Pace gets a crazy hair up his butt and has some amazing new idea of something, um, working with him on making sure that we can help take that idea, doing the best that I can. I don't always crush it on this, but taking, doing the best that I can to take his, you know, his idea and, and help with our team to make that idea come to reality. Um, those are a lot of the things that, that I'm doing, um, I guess is the best way to uh, explain that on a, on a day-to-day basis. But uh, yeah, so, so that's what that looks like. I, I hope that, um, uh, ooh, what does Nancy say? Cody, I appreciate you doing this live. What is the number that I have to be at start to, uh, what is the number I have to be at with passive income? Um, okay, cool. Love that. Um, love this. Love this. Great feedback, guys. Um, so I hope this was helpful and giving a better understanding of, you know, getting started. It's not just about like the what to do. It's the, the mindset of, okay, yes, I need to do this, but here are the things that I need to be keeping in mind for me to actually be able to accomplish that. So 
Um, hope, hopefully that's, hopefully that's helpful guys. These are things that I wish that I had someone telling me when I was starting out and I'm just like banging my head against the wall, um, of just taking action. Joel says it was a calm one, but a good one. <laughs> it's because pace wasn't on here. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, awesome guys. Well, happy Sunday. Um, once again, always going to be here Sundays, 7 PM Arizona time. We'll see you next week. Have an amazing week, everybody.